Hello and welcome to Who's Dropping at the Movies. I'm Mike. And I'm Jose. And today we're talking about Baccarat, a Brazilian film. Yes. Uh, which you knew a little bit about, maybe? I certainly didn't. Well, actually, I'd only heard uh, friends online uh, getting excited about it. I think it won the jury prize at the Cannes Film Festival this year. You know, and it's a Brazilian film, right? So that's exciting because their film industry has, you know, gone up and down and uh, uh, production almost came to a standstill a few years ago, I understand. So, so it's an exciting thing for a Brazilian film to be so... Um, uh, praise, yeah, and internationally. Yeah, it's playing on movie at the moment, and it's playing on there for the next three weeks or so. Yeah, and uh, apropos of nothing, I'd say it's really worth checking out. I found it so interesting. It's really good. It's so good. I mean, this is the thing about movie at the moment. It's just extraordinary what they're showing, really. And you know, you think with films like this that it's somehow going to be difficult. You know, that is going to be like a bit of a drag. Yeah, you know, it's. Uh, and actually, what I ended up finding with this is that it immediately kind of, you know, grips you and enchants you and it kind of creates this world and you're shown these characters. And, you know, it's, it's, it's fabulously entertaining. And, you know, it's also much more. It kind of, it reminds you really of what cinema can be, you know. Uh, so I'm very excited by it. Yeah, well, I'd say, uh, first of all, it's a film that can be spoiled. Um, it has secrets and revelations, and we are going to go into those, no doubt. So, um, I make sure to check it out first of all if you haven't seen it, because I don't want you to, you know, you, you should go into it kind of blind. Yes. Um, I suppose the 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 most spoiler-free setup I could give it would be that it's about a very small village, like I mean, literally a couple of roads and a few houses in uh, the northeast of Brazil, in kind of the outback, the wilderness kind of area, called Bacarau. Uh, and a girl comes home uh, to Baccarat for the funeral of her grandmother, who's, I think, 94 years old. Mm. And you get a kind of a portrait of what life is like here, why people would leave, why they come back, what, how the community lives. And then, and this is the most spoiler-free way I can say it, weird stuff starts happening. Yes. I mean, that is about as much as you can say without going into that territory. So that's where we'll leave it for that. Yeah. We're going into spoiler territory now. You see a UFO... <laughs> and that's when you start thinking well this isn't quite what I expected I don't know about you Jose well I didn't read it as a UFO I, I read it very much as a drone you okay. know um, so the way that I understood the film at the beginning was so a truck goes through this mountain range and what they see is coffins right and dead people next to the coffins and then you see a dam yeah, that's kind of cutting off water. Uh, so I immediately thought, well, this is going to be kind of, you know, a political film about a village uh, uh, that's being deprived of water by crooked politicians, right? Which right. actually is part of the story, right? Mm. But it's by no means the whole story. So, you know, uh, when I saw the drone, I just thought, well, it's a drone. Like, these villagers are under surveillance. Right. The film begins. Oh, right. okay. Yeah. The film begins by saying, "This is a few years from now." Right. So, mm. you know, you expect things to have changed, but largely remain the same. And also, those things of drones and and so on um, are not are not really even futuristic. Yeah. Kind of. <laughs> you know. Uh, 
yeah. So, so. Well, uh, I think the film definitely definitely asks that question of you stri- uh, immediately because the, the drone is shaped like a classic flying saucer. Yeah. And it has kind of lights around the edge, so it doesn't look like your your normal drone. And also, the film's starting off with um, that shot from space, slowly going in yes. to um, uh, zooming into the area of Brazil where it's set. Yeah. You know, that, I linked those together and I said, okay, so some, is this going to t- is this going to become a, an alien invasion type thing? Uh-huh. That's kind of uh, that's a space I was put in by that. You very quickly realise that that's not what it is, but there is a um, a kind of a most dangerous game thing going on. You discover a group of uh, largely American people who are there on a kind of what seems to be a kind of pay for sort of kill people safari like the way they you know like those safaris that rich people go on in Africa to shoot lions and take them home and put on their walls you kind yes. of get the feeling that's what it's like and they're led by Udo Kia yes but before that let's let's linger a bit before that actually because i think there's about you know you, you only become aware of that i would say 45 minutes to an hour into the film and a lot happens before that right and so, and what happens is that you're introduced to this to this village, you're introduced to a way of life. Uh, the village actually reminded me very much of my village. Yeah, people who've known themselves each other their whole lives. Uh, you know, who um, the village is emptying out. You know, at, at the funeral, the school teacher, who is the son of the woman who died, talks about you know how uh, lots of people who loved this woman couldn't be there because they're in Sao Paulo. They're in you know, the United mm. States, they're in Europe, yeah, the whole family's kind of dispersed, you know, but th- since they couldn't be there, they've brought things, and, you know, what they've brought is a chest full of medicine, and, yeah, so, and you're introduced to that, to that way of life, which, you know, kind of, uh, it felt both lovely and odd, it's a place that's clearly accepting, you know, so you have, like, lesbians, and you have transgender people, and people are very easy about sex and they're walking around naked and, you know, the men and the women wash together. It kind of it creates a world, doesn't it? Yeah. Mm. Well, I wanted to ask you about your relationship to this film because it did strike me as well that you would see this as very reminiscent of the town you grew up in. Yes. I mean, it's probably smaller even than, than where you grew up, but it's, it's a similar kind of remote area. You grew up in Spain, obviously. It is. You know, uh, and it's integrated that way. So, you know, everyone would know the mayor, everyone would know the school teachers. And yeah, like, you yeah. Know, it, it, yeah, a lot of people live abroad but come, come back for weekends or summers or, yeah, ties are maintained. But it's a small village that's not even on the map, uh, you know, Bacarao, right? You know, there's yeah. this whole well, at least, thing. Well, I think the suggestion is it's been taken off the map. It's been taken off that's, the map. Well, and which is yeah. what's happening, at least in Spain, you know, a lot of villages become depopulated and disappear. Yeah. Mm. Uh, so, uh, I mean, I'm not sure if... I, I mean, this is a much more acute political parable, right? Yes. So the point of comparison can only go uh, so far. Um, but Yeah, well, as, as opposed to being depopulated, uh, the town in this film, Baccarat, is deliberately taken off the map, and there there seems to be the ultimate kind of kind of resolution of everything that's been going on. Seems yeah. to be that the mayor, because these people are in the way and causing problems, uh, wants them wiped out, and he's made this deal with Udo Kier to to kill them all. And obviously, it backfires as you find out. But so it, it occurs to me that having the town kind of taken off the map, literally taken off the map off Google Earths, um, is it's a, it's a deliberate act in this yes. film. And quite a sinister one. 
and that ties in very neatly because what saves the town is a knowledge of history it's its museum and what that mm. represents right you know and kind of you know that museum is not only a sociological museum of the way of life of its people but a, res a repository of historical memory and of a historical memory of rebellion right um, so they've resisted this encroachment you know by uh, the metropolis you know by federal powers by people who basically want to steal from them and use up their resources which is why I thought the thing about the water initially to me was very interesting because I thought the film would be just about that but instead these people are rendered so worthless that you have American uh, uh, safari companies they're like safaris except you know instead yeah. of hunting lions you hunt poor people, really. Yeah, because mo most of the people, most of those Americans coming in to do that safari are not in it for this greater political game that you find out is kind of underneath it. They're there to... I mean, you have the one guy who says... He, he has this homicidal hatred for his ex-wife. And he says, well, God has given me the chance to take that out on these people who don't matter. Yes. You know? so, so for him, those, the, the reason is not this, this thing about the water and whatever that's just kind of he's been used by the people in charge if you like yes. for that and the film kind of wonderfully delineates you know a question questions of relative morality you know so these men and women who go on a safari because you know murdering is fun and they don't conceive of these people as people all of a sudden have qualms so one of them says oh <laughs> you know it's terrible to kill children the other one says i don't kill women yeah, but the fact that kind yeah. of what they're engaging with is this murder that comes through dehumanization, yeah, is kind of something that none of them question. Um, it's really powerful, you know. I, I thought the scenes with a young boy, you know, uh, were, was very incredible. Um, and actually, many aspects of, me, of the film to me were moving, you know. I think one of the reasons I found it powerful is that, and this will sound like a backhanded compliment, it's kind of rough with its political allegory like it doesn't it's not too subtle about it it kind of smacks you in the face with what it's saying to you do you know what i mean i do know what you mean but there were there were only there was only one scene that i thought that was just too awkward and too crude and that is this you know when the uh brazilians go on the motorcycles yeah and mm. uh and then they return from the village and they kill two people and then they go and meet all of the people on the safari, right? Yeah, so they have that meeting around they have the that table. meeting. I thought that was kind of crude, really. I know what you mean. That I was actually one of my favourite scenes. Oh, I thought it was you know, crude. I, having it kind of spelled out. Because it's not spelled out in terms of like... It, it. It's all done through what the characters think and their attitudes towards each other. And there's that whole thing about um, the, the two Brazilians who've been hired... Um, they look white, but they're not white and things like that. Like yeah. I, I could certainly understand you finding that too on the nose but that's actually something that I like that kind of took it into kind of flat out satire territory for me which I enjoyed well I like the ideas but I thought that the expression of them or the dramatization of them were quite crude especially that mm. American women I love to kill and you know ha, <laughs> you think you think you're white haha ha, you know um, yeah, yeah you're like a hot Latino that kind of thing it just kind of creeped me out really I did quite like though you you do immediately get the sense once you once you follow the motorcyclists back to that sort of camp and you're introduced to the camp and you see the people kind of moving around within it 
you do really get a sense of of what these people are like and what they value. And you have that one guy who's just sat in a room cleaning a gun, yeah. and you have the other guy, uh, or maybe maybe it's the girl talking about. I can't remember exactly what her story was, but she's basically telling like the camera. I think mm. I saw this Tommy gun when I was eleven years old, and the guy who owned it let me hold it, and I was in love from that. And you know, this whole thing about love for guns in particular, yeah. and there's a difference. There's a thing in the film about they use guns, and the people who are in the town don't. Although yeah. they then go into their museum where they have all these historical guns. And the thing about using the the, the Americans don't use modern weaponry. Like yeah. they have a they have a fucked up code about yeah. we don't use modern weaponry. We use we use vintage weapons. So somehow it's not killing. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> Yeah, um, it's to make it more sporting, I guess. And the irony, of course, yeah. is that, you know, the people resist really using 19th century guns right from the museum. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah, which are truly like, vintage. It's a type weaponry. The, American, the Americans' notion of vintage is like 1995 or something, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, they still have some fairly recent-looking pistols in their armory. Yeah. So, um, I also wanted to ask you, because what occurred to me then, when I was thinking about the town that you grew up in and, and the relationship that you might have, or, or what you won't recognise about kind of your way of life back then in this, it then made me think about um, oh god, I can't remember his name, the the dictator of Spain, um, Franco. Franco. It made me think about Franco, and made me think about then Bolsonaro, mm. and how that there might be a relationship there. And there's definitely a big distrust of politics in this film oh and political god. figures. Yes. I mean, the guy, Tony, whatever his name was, the mayor of mm. the area, so not even of the town, but of the whole region, um, you know, that scene where they take the young women, right, uh, uh, and, you know, they ride off with her, yeah, uh, uh, mm. for sex, yeah, and she goes unwillingly, but kind of knowing that she has to. It's so chilling. It's really, it really is like government as like, not only crooks and so on, but pimps, you know, like, yeah, mm. kind of uh, uh, just a complete abuse of power. Yeah, that there's no justice and everyone knows. And it's very telling that when he comes in, you know, with all his little gifts, um, you know, people stay indoors, right? And they yell crook, <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, sleazeball and whatever, but they, ha they do it indoors, right? They don't come out. Yeah, they're... I yeah. thought that was a wonderful scene because because when they when they hear that the the mayor's uh, showing up, everyone's kind of like, oh, quick, get to it, get to it. And you and what I thought was, oh, they need to make everything spick and span so everything's nice for the mayor. And actually, what you find that they've done is they've just put everything away and hidden inside their houses because they yes. don't respect this guy, don't want to talk to him, don't want yes. to give him the time of day. Yes, and don't trust him, you know. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, those scenes are very powerful, and I think they are very much a critique of Bolsonaro at the moment, right? And you're told very clearly. So, you know, the film makes this whole thing about a north-south divide in Brazil, a rural-urban, you know, a white uh, indigenous. Because my understanding is that, you know, Brazil not only has, like, Portuguese people and so on, but there's a, there was a huge German population, yeah, from, the, from after the war as well. Um, mm. So, you know, and lots of Italian immigrants and... And, and lots of uh, slaves, if you have former kind of African there slaves. Was, there was a huge slave trade there, wasn't there? Yeah. So, uh, but, but you can see how there are still gradations of belongingness, uh, power, uh, you know, so questions of race are also tied to questions of, of class. And then there's also uh, North America, South America version of it, right? So 
you know, when that group of safari tourists kill the two collaborators, because that's what they are, they find out that, you know, one of them is working in the district attorney's office, right? You know, so mm. he's, he's, yeah, he's not just kind of, he's selling out his own people. He thinks, you know, he's superior to them because he's wider, right? On the other hand, it shows you the crookedness of the system that somebody kind of working, you know, in the DA's office or the justice system, I'm not too clear exactly what his function was, except that he was a lawyer with, you know, a high mm. position in this, is literally selling out his own people for money and having them killed, right? You know, and then kind yeah. of, uh, uh, I mean, it really is kind of quite powerful, I think. Yeah. I love the music. I love the way that the widescreen was used, you know, because it was used very fluidly. So often there was a handheld camera feel, you know, to this widescreen. Uh, I love the way that unlike a lot of North American cinema, the widescreen encompasses communities. So it's very rare to see just like a close-up of one face, right? Kind of, you often have like groups of people in the frame, yeah? Yeah, so you get the sense of like kind of community as opposed to Udo Kier, who often is alone in the frame, yeah? But when you see the people in the village, it the frame is peopled, yeah? That's so, true, that's a good point. Um, so I, liked, I like that very much. Um, and, and actually, symbolically, the village being saved by its museum, by its history. Yeah, yeah. I thought that was like really powerful. There's a point made about the museum where, or, or, or not a point exactly, but the film focuses on when people come to the village, particularly those two motorcyclists, oh, are you going to visit the museum? Have you come here to see our history? Yes. And they say no, no. But, the, but there's a point about, you, you see inside various buildings in the town, people's houses and the doctor's office and the school, um, but you just see the outside of the museum. Yeah. And, and when push comes to shove, and it's clear there's going to be this kind of siege thing happening at the end of the film, I thought, oh, that is, that is exactly where they're hiding. Mm. And of course, they're not just hiding there, they're, they're hiding in the school and a few other places, but mm. I thought, like, that is going to be a focus of this scene, it mm. has to be. And I thought it was wonderful, wonderfully wonderfully orchestrated, wonderfully kind of put together. And the guy, the, the guy who goes into the museum, the, the tourist who goes into the museum, is the one who had the qualm about killing the kid. Mm. Um, you kind of get the feeling that he's like, if any of them is on a kind of... Um, uh, if any of those people has a an inclination to to question what he's doing, he would be the one. He doesn't really. I mean, he is still there looking for people to kill. Mm. But it kind of makes sense. He would be the one who goes into the museum, I think. Mm. And then you have the thing of when they, they kill him and it's brutal and they're cleaning up afterwards, they sweep the floors and they wash the floors. But the woman who runs the museum, I think, makes a point of... The, the bloodstains on the walls, keep them there. Yes. You know, it has to remain... It's like that... What has happened here has become part of our history. Yes. And the museum is the place for it to be. And she says, unfortunately. Yes. You know, like, it's not, it's not a proud thing that they've had to behave so brutally and yes. do what they've done. But it is a part of their history now. They respect and know that. Yeah. I also love how, at the end of the film, you know, there's been... All these people died, you know... Families have been killed, children have been killed, people have lost their families, people have lost their children. Uh, but nonetheless, life goes on, yeah? Like, it hasn't defeated them, right? Kind of, you know, the village is still there, the people are still there, 
you know, and the Udo Kier character is buried alive, right? You know, so yeah. um, I also think that it's it, the structure is that of a Western, yeah? Uh, and, you know, certainly the thing with the coffins is straight out of um, Sergio Leone film. I, I can't remember which one, yeah? <laughs> yeah? But, you know, kind of in one of them, they go into town with coffins, right? And I think in the Leone film, those are exactly the, the people they're going to kill. So I think that, you know, the film is a cine-literate film, uh, but also it's kind of, you know, if you think of the structure of the Western, right? Um, well, on the one hand, it is about bringing civilization to the wilderness. So this one is not about that, you know, but some other Westerns are about a town under siege, Right. Yeah. And who's who's going to have the courage, you know, to stand up, you know, to the threat. Yeah. Uh, from the outside. So and I think this film is very much like that. And actually, the film's moral point of view uh, is that many types of criminality or, you know, uh, are or many types of behavior that society at one point condemns uh, are in fact not criminal. And what is really criminal is, you know, politicians being crooked, politicians whoring and pimping and politicians selling out their own people. Yeah. yeah. So that's, you know, so you could be a whore, but a whore votes. Yeah, it's one of the things the film <laughs> tells you. Right? Yes, that's right. You know, uh, <laughs> and actually being a whore is not half as bad as being a politician who's selling out the people he's representing for money. Yeah, and, and having them die. Yeah, exchanging their lives for money yeah that's about the worst that you can be right yeah well there's there's definitely a thing as well with the western thing of, of that final scene as you say the thing about the town under siege the feeling of when the tourists uh, enter the village in that final kind of third and it's deserted nobody's there yeah. has you know you could just see, see the tumbleweed going across the screen in a yes. western you know what i mean in american western yes. like that's it's it's absolutely identical um, there's also a sense. I, I wonder if I'm thinking of Once Upon a Time in the West, um, the focus on water as a resource, yes. and like that's such a huge thing. I think it's probably it's probably there in lots of westerns. But but the idea of these huge natural resources, Chinatown is actually one. It's Chinatown's not a western, but it really reminds me of that. The idea that kind of what these people need is water, and it's being held from them by uh, the powers that be. This dam. And it, kill, it literally is killing them to not have it, you know. And then the water truck uh, that arrives is shot. The water is, is depleted. Actually, it actually makes me think of Dark Waters as well in a way. Like, Dark Waters had that. That was all about water, the water yeah. supply, and literally power over people through that. It's such a kind of potent idea. Well, it is, you know, I think going to be the new, you know, scarce resource. I mean, yeah, kind of, you know, drinking water fresh drinking water is already a problem in many countries around the world and it's becoming increasingly uh, so through um, you know temperature change yes through environmental change Uh, so it's 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 a very good theme and you have you have the guy who runs Nestle I think who basically wants to own it yeah water water shouldn't be a public good I should own it and be able to sell it yeah you know, I mean, which is the most fucked up thing you can possibly imagine. Yeah, it's quite it's quite extraordinary. I also liked so the world that the film depicts is is a lawless world, right? 
it it almost reminds me of reading like medieval romances or you know either once you leave your town once you're on the road outside your town you're no longer safe yeah kind of mm. it's a failed state there's no protection for you you either go on the road with your own gunman or you know you're kidnapped by highwaymen or whatever <laughs> yeah like yeah. yeah and this is exactly what this film is people are only relatively safe and not even then but more so when they're in the confines of the town as soon as they leave the town they're prey to all kinds of things including you know uh, 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 western safaris who are using them as prey yeah who are preying on them yeah. so um yeah it's a wonderful film actually i, I was really riveted and, and moved I, I was surprised actually you know, so at the beginning, there's like this wonderful, I mean, what, you know, the cliche of Brazilians, right? You know, it's kind of, you know, so on the one hand, it's a funeral and it's sad, but it's also a bit wild. And, you know, and then kind of people are very at ease with each other, with difference, with their bodies. You know, there's an emphasis on food, on music, right? And then it begins from there and it, beca it yeah, it, it mm. unravels really or becomes harsher. It becomes like Mad Max a bit. Yeah, yeah. there is an element of that. Well, water's a resource in that as well, I suppose. Yeah. Actually, fuel is the main resource in that. But yeah, it, has, it does have that similar feel, doesn't it? It does. Um, what did you think of the um, thing about the funeral and the woman who dies and the, the doctor who is clearly... Uh, That's Sonia Braga. Friend by, Sonia Braga, by the way, the doctor, who is, you know, one of... Well, she's the only uh, Brazilian star that I know... Uh, of that broke through internationally, right? You know, right. So she was, I mean, she was a big Brazilian star, but then she also made a lot of indie films in the US in the 1980s and 90s, right? So she's a big star, in fact. So right. Well, she's wonderful in this, and she does have a kind of, she does have a pride of place in the cast, you can tell. Yes. Um, but she's clearly, her character is clearly an old friend of some description of the woman who's died, and drunkenly i think you later it's kind of later implied yeah. she speaks out at the funeral that this woman ha she was a problematic woman i can't remember exactly what she says because this is right at the start of the film but she kind of speaks out against her and then later she apologizes for it but there is there is this whole unresolved thing about who this woman was and what her relationship was and you know did you would you i mean i kind of felt like i would have liked that to be more resolved no it, i thought it, it was i thought it was resolved because then you see pictures of them and you see mm. pictures of them when they're younger and they they've clearly been best friends all their lives right yeah you know so and and at the beginning they tell you well you know forgive whatever her name is she's but she's the only one who's expressing her pain right <laughs> yeah. yeah uh so uh and then you see later in fact that they have been very close all their lives yeah so that it's amazing. yeah but that's what i mean like that kind of what 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 broke them up what happened between them i i i, I just suppose i I kind of half wanted and half expected more out of that funeral scene because it seems to set up the entire film. It's the reason that the girls come home. And and there does seem to be something... Um, that there was so, There's clearly something very important about this woman. You know, The whole town turns out for her funeral, I suppose, as you say. It is a small town and everyone's very close-knit, so that would be a reason. But there does seem to be... Well, I, I thought there would be something about... You know, she dies, and and then things start unraveling. And she, you know, what part does she play in that? I don't know. 
no, I just I, thought, I felt like I felt like there was something being indicated there that wasn't paid off. Ultimately. Well, I don't agree with but, you. I mean, I think that you know her funeral is a mechanism to show you the town and the people in it, and the bonds and affinities that people have within it, right? So you know that's how you get introduced to the school teacher and the family, and it's the mechanism through which you're introduced to. Uh, I forget what his name is, but the guy who'd been a gangster and, you know, who now wants another name. He's returning to civilian life. His new name is Acasio. Acasio, that's right. His old name is uh, Pacoch. That's right. So, you know, the funeral is that mechanism, right? Hmm. Also, I love that moment, by the way, when um, the granddaughter asks Acasio, do you want to sleep with me tonight? Yeah. Yeah. So, well, I knew you would. You yeah, love that sort of thing. I love that sort of thing. <laughs> well, I, I thought that was um, that was the 120 beats per minute moment. You know, we're at this awful place in our lives. I'll wank you off. <laughs> well, actually, you, you no, know, you see, you see more than that. Actually, I, I really, I, I loved all of that. Uh, I yeah. thought it was kind of wonderful, and and the film is a very, very powerful political parable as well. Uh, obviously about Brazil, but also I think one that resonates elsewhere actually uh and actually i think it's very interesting in these times of pandemic you know to see how those dictators you know because that is what bolsonaro is you know how they will be put to the test right because you know they're so uh obsessed and their only function is to steal other people's money right you know to kind of oppress people so that they and their cronies can make more money Right. Yeah. You know, so and they manage to fool people like Trump does, you know, uh, through a control of the media and, and the control of a particular type of discourse. But actually, this pandemic is going to put all of that to a test. Yeah, because when people are dying around you, you know, you can buy as many commercials as you want, but you're not going to be able to paint a rosy picture of life. Yeah. So uh, it, it will be interesting to see the effect that this has on on them. <laughs> The final thought I had was that um, at the end of the film, I'm, I was reminded of the manipulative power of cinema in that when Udo Kier is buried alive, he's imprisoned underground and then a board's put on top of the hole and then it's buried, so you know he's going to starve and die under there. Um, I felt so good, you know, because he's been <laughs> such an awful person. And of course, and of course, doing that to someone, that's, that's, it, it's, it's hideous uh, what oh, they're doing to him. But it's, the power of the, it's, but it's the power <laughs> of the revenge story, isn't it? Yes. It's that thing that, that Irreversible did so well, where at the start of Irreversible, the guy gets his face mashed in by that um, fire extinguisher. And if that had happened at the end, after he's committed the rape, and that's the revenge, you'd feel much better about yeah. it. You know, like it's, it's that, you know, I, I'm watching it going, oh, you know, good on them. <laughs> I'm thinking, oh no, that's horrible. <laughs> you know? um, it was wonderful, actually. Uh, uh, I I highly recommend it to everyone. It's you know I've been praising Mubi recently because they are showing things uh, that you I couldn't see anywhere else in town, actually. Or you know, and and actually they are not only showing one, but they're showing like dozens of you know a combination of classic films and then films like this it really is quite extraordinary you know the melville films are like you know superb uh noirs right kind of crime films uh then you have the cocteau films you know then you have the berkman films i mean it really is kind of a, a, a quite an extraordinary selection including all of this fantastic new latin american cinema 
you know, that is not just what they could pick up. It actually is, you know, the Latin American cinema that has, you know, the best of Latin America. Yeah, what's one can and so on, right? Uh, I, it's really quite, quite extraordinary. Um, and um, you feel a certain sense, I don't know, of security. It's what movie provides you with, yeah, that, you know, kind of because they've selected these films and because your experience of seeing these new films that they're putting on has been so satisfying that it almost kind of makes you less afraid to see them, you know, like kind mm. of, yeah. I mean, because, you know, some of these films could be hard work and you think, oh God, am I actually, you know, going to go to the Midlands Art Center and, you know, it'll take me an hour to get there and, you know, and I'll have to walk and, you know, and so on. And then like, oh, it was, yeah, kind of, you <laughs> yeah. Whereas actually yeah. with this, you feel like the film is curated. It isn't, it, it hasn't just been put there. Yeah, the work that movie has put in is what gives you the confidence that this is going to be worth pursuing, mm. you know, and, and looking into. And even if I don't like it, well, there's a reason it's here. Mm. You know, as opposed to if you see you know, one of 10 million films on Netflix, if it's crap, you go, maybe maybe there was no reason to have watched it in the first place. Yeah. You go, if I didn't like this, well, there's got to be a reason Mm. That it was that it was on there, you know, because yeah. it's one of only thirty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway, so uh, let's wrap this up. Uh, I highly recommend it. I think it's a beautiful film. It's a really powerful film, and I thought it was very moving. Um, I thought it was a cracker, and I liked. You know, I mean, if you got this far and you haven't watched it, then we've ruined everything that kind of twists and turns. And the twists and turns are some of the most enjoyable parts of it because it went to places that I really wasn't expecting, mm. you know, or made moves that I wasn't expecting. Mm. Um, and I think it ties together really, really nicely. And just about every part of it works for me. Mm. You know, I had a great time. Okay, excellent. So um, thank you very much for listening. We are eavesdropping at the movies and we are on. Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify and YouTube to listen to us. On social media, we're on Facebook and Twitter and the website is eavesdroppingatthemovies.com Thank you very much. Obrigado. <laughs> That's all of my Portuguese. <laughs>